The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Good morning, ACF Church. Good morning. We're so glad to see you today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just thankful that you came to church today. I'm glad you made it. Um, we are in a series called The Code. Um, it's just been fun. The music was fun. It was like Mumford worship. I loved it. Can you give the worship team a hand? Yeah. We just love those guys. Um, it's, it takes a lot of commitment to work on the music and to be at rehearsal and to come here early and, and rehearse and uh, just, just to prepare a way for God to, to move and just to set sort of a, a tone in the room. And so we're thankful for our team. We're in a series called The Code, and, and the code is just all about going to Scripture to see what is the code that we should live by. We believe as Christians that God lines out very clearly uh, for us what the code is that we should live by. What are the, what are the ways that we decide what is good and what is healthy and what is right in our lives. And so it's been a fun series so far. We just start off by saying it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And those implications are deep when it comes to saying that. We talked about this is, uh, this is the first and the best. We're going to give the first and the best to God. We're, we, we said we're going to kneel before we fight. We talked about being a people of humility, coming before God and kneeling. And then we said we would be an outbreak of honor, that we would honor people who are below us in our jobs, maybe in the home, maybe uh, like our kids, honor people that are serving underneath us, serving alongside of us, and then serving above us, honoring those people. And we said that uh, we would not be consumers. We would be spiritual contributors, which is difficult in a consumer society. And so we as a church, we don't want to just come and consume. We want to go and give. Uh, we said that God's word is our guide. We go to scripture and scripture is the way that we determine truth in an ever changing world. And then we said last week, we stand as one. We want to be a people of unity, unified around the base of the cross of Jesus. And this week, the code is this. Our vision is for anyone, but not for everyone. We know not everyone will get it. We're okay with that because the stakes are high and time is short. And so it's been kind of a, it's been a great week for me. I've, uh, I've got drywall underneath my fingernails. It's been a, it's been a home repair week. So we have a life group at our house and it grew to the point that we had people sitting in like another room <laughs> to try to be in on the conversation. And so they were always like peeking around the wall, trying to see into our, to our living room from the kitchen. And so I decided I'm going to cut out that wall because every man likes to cut out walls. And so I got, I got the, the saws all out and I cut the wall down and I was actually a little concerned that it was a load bearing wall, but it wasn't. So the roof didn't cave in. Everything's good. And so I've been repairing drywall. I just, I love the process of repairing and working on my home. I, it's kind of a labor of love doing drywall and mudding and taping. And um, I just enjoy that. Uh, last year, we decided to remodel our bathroom. And, and I just, I love that place now. We just, we pimped it out. We have a pimped out bathroom. 
I don't even know if you can say pimped out bathroom in church, but we pimped out our bathroom and it is awesome. I just want to live in there. I want to install a mini fridge. I want for there to be a flat screen on the wall. I'm not there yet, um, but, but someday it's just going to be even more amazing. And for Christmas, I got one of these Bluetooth shower speakers. Did you know these existed? You can listen to music in the shower. It suction cups on the wall and it hooks to your iPhone. It's awesome. I could live in there. I would live in my shower if I could. And I... I am known for having, taking long showers. It's just, it's one of my things. Is this, I don't know if this is weird, but it's one, it's one of my things. I love taking long, hot showers, especially in Alaska. You know, when you're cold and you just want to get your core warmed up. And so, in fact, a little while ago, I was taking a shower. I went in there and, um, it's kind of my safe zone. I have, I have little girls, two little girls. And for obvious reasons, they don't come in the bathroom when daddy's taking a shower. And so it is like my panic room. If I, if I just go in there and turn the water on, peace. Just nothing but peace. It's awesome. Nobody comes in. It's, it's a place for me. And so I went in there, excited to take a long, hot shower after a long day. I got the water going, you know, got the room all steamed up. And I got in there and uh, got my hair all lathered up. And this always happens when your hair is lathered up and it's in, your, in the soaps in your eyes. I realized... Somebody's taking a shower today because we are running out of water. And, you know, you know that, 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 that fear that fills you where you're like, okay, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I got to start. I got to rinse everything out. I got to soap down and, and get this thing done because I'm running out of hot water. And so I, I got it all done before the water turned to ice cubes. And this is, this is sort of my life of sometimes dealing with that, you know, with other people in the house. I went downstairs the other day to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I'm a grown man and I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and don't judge me. And and so I I got the stuff out. I got the bread out. I got the jelly out and the peanut butter and I had all the ingredients. I was ready to go. And so I start lathering up the bread with the jelly and I open up the peanut butter jar and I realize it's completely empty, completely empty. So do you do you have somebody in your house that does this? Anybody else? Have somebody in your house that puts something back when it's empty. When the container is empty, you throw it away. You don't put the chip bag back into the cupboard when it has no chips left in it. You throw the bag away so that you don't do this to somebody because it is frustrating when you, when you're so excited for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you got no peanut butter. And so, so then you have the decision to make. Do I just scrap this whole idea or do I still continue making my sandwich? And so I'm stubborn. So I said, I'm going to do this. And so I get a knife out and I'm scraping every molecule out of this empty container of peanut butter. And it's it's half peanut butter and it's half plastic, you know, from the container. By the time I get it all scraped out and I make my sandwich, it's so disappointing when this happens. And I don't know if your life is like this, but I just I feel spread thin. I feel like. I feel like there's so much to do. There's so many things that I want to do. And life is so busy that I oftentimes I lay down in bed at night and I wonder, what am I doing? I feel like I'm doing so much. And then yet sometimes I feel like I'm getting nothing done. Does anybody else connect with that? Is that just me? Um, that's, that's my life. It's a busy, we, you know, we have, we have kids, I have a job, we have friends we're trying to hang out with, we're trying to do ministry. It's just there's so much. And so today what we want to do is we want to ask the question, are we doing the right things? We spend our time on the right things because time is short. You guys, time is short and the stakes are very high. And so we don't have an infinite amount of time to spend on this earth. And so what we do here does matter. And you can get busy 
and you can be overcome by all the things that people expect from you or all the things that your society says that you should be a part of, or we can do the right things. And so we, we feel this as a church, as a, as a overall church, we really try to focus on this. We don't do every ministry. If you come from another church, you might come here and be like, where is this ministry or that ministry? And chances are we've, we've heard about it or thought of it and just chosen not to do it. You know, occasionally we'll hear about new things and start new things. But for the most part, we have chosen what we do pretty specifically because we know that we only have so much energy and so many resources and so much time. The stakes are high and time is short. We hold our ministries loosely. You know, the things that we do here may not look the same in a year in a couple years. And we're okay with that because we hold loosely to the medium and very tightly to the mission. God has given us a mission as a church to reach this city for Jesus, to tell people about the saving grace of Jesus. And we are unwavering on the mission, but the medium is changing and it will change and how we do it will change. And I mean, there are things that we did a couple of years ago as a church that we no longer do because we thought, well, this is a better way to do the same thing. And so um, whatever it is that you hold on to is like, this is what defines the church. What defines the church is Jesus more than anything, not how we reach people, but who we're reaching people for. So we do some strange things, too, because, you know, the stakes are high. Time is short. And so that means we're going to choose to do things that people won't get all the time. Was anybody here for uh, Walking Dead Easter last year? Yes. And you came back. That's awesome. Really? Just that few of you were here for Easter last year? That's a pretty small. It just shows you how much our church changes in a year, you guys. This is a transient community. We did the Walking Dead Easter, and it was awesome. I loved it. It was way cool. So we had a blast with that. Here's the deal. That didn't reach everybody. (laughs) Not everybody got that. Not everybody's grandma wanted to go to ACF Church on Easter for the Walking Dead Easter. Although there was one elderly lady with her like Easter hat who came in and took her picture with a zombie. And it was awesome. I mean, she just was like into this whole Walking Dead Easter thing. And so um, we know we know not everybody's going to get it. We know some people are like, ah, the church shouldn't do that or that's offensive or whatnot. But um, more than anything, we just want to reach people by whatever means it takes to reach our city. We will do anything aside from sin to reach people for Jesus. And we're going to do that as a church. But then as you, for you as individuals, are you, are you doing that? Is your vision concise and clear? Are you a part of the things that you need to be a part of? Or is your day completely full with all of the expectations that are laid upon you? You know, I, I just know as my kids get older, there's going to be that tendency to fill up our lives with every single sport and every single after school activity. You know, um, there's a lot to do in Alaska. I love this place. I love to go four wheeling. I love to go fishing and hunting. And I just find there's not enough time in the day. Summer is short. And so you end up having to go. What is it that I want to do? Was it, what is it that I should be doing? Oh, yeah, and I'm married and I have a family. I should hang out with them once in a while, too. And, uh, oh, yeah, we've got church and we've got to hang out with them. And, oh, we've got a life group. I've got friends and, you know, I've got neighbors in my neighborhood. You guys, if we don't focus, we're not going to do anything well. And so here today, what we're going to talk about is how to focus and how to do the things that God is calling us specifically to do uh, as individuals and then as a church corporate. And so would you pray with me as we start off today? Jesus, we love you and uh, we ask that you would be here in this place. Father, we need you to speak and we don't want to waste this time. We don't want to just get together and talk about good things. God, but we need our hearts to be changed. 
So would you just till the soil within our souls to be prepared and ready to receive the truth today? God, would your, would your word speak to us, God? And would you empower us to be, to be moved and changed by your spirit within us? God, I pray for those in this room that are far from you, that are just exploring faith for the first time. God, that they would see something true and real in the grace of Jesus today and in his people. Father, we love you and we ask that you'd be here. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can follow along today on the screen behind me or in the, in the uh, insert, or you can open up the ACF Church app, or you can open up a paper Bible. Those still exist, um, and we, in fact, have those. There's a little black book in front of you. Um, and I'd encourage you, too, if, if you've got an iPhone or a smartphone, to make a, make a church note pad and start writing down notes, things that come to your mind. I've just recently started journaling, which, you know... I hate the idea of journaling, but it's been really, really good. I've been writing down my thoughts and things that God says to me. And it turns out that uh, I, ha- I don't have a good memory and I, and I forget things, really cool things that happen in my life. And so even in just the short time I've done this, I've been able to look back and see the things that God has said to me. So anyway, make a note. We're going to be hanging out in Second Kings today. And uh, so after the death of King Solomon... The 12 tribes of Israel were split into two different kingdoms, two separate kingdoms. They were divided into the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And so the books of first and second kings are about the kings uh, of Israel and the people. And for the most part, it's about their disobedience to God. Over and over again, we read, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so in second Kings chapter three, where we find ourselves today, There's this Moabite king who is a sheep herder. This is his job. He's got hundreds and thousands of sheep. And so this is their resource that they have available to to make money and to support their people. And so they had been oppressed and forced to deliver hundreds of thousands of sheep to, uh, to Israel. But after the death of King Ahab, they decided to revolt against this requirement and, and rebelled. And so they were no longer providing wool to Israel. And so we pick it up where King Joram creates this alliance to go and attack Moab and to get back with it, what was rightfully theirs. And so where we find ourselves, it's kind, of a, it's kind of like a weird scene out of Survivor where everybody's jockeying for different alliances and they're trying to get together and, and they, want to, they want to unify so that they can come up against Moab together. And so when, when we read today, we're going to be in the message translation. I just felt like uh, it really communicated... Uh, what, what's being said here really well. And it, if you read through the Old Testament and your eyes just start kind of crossing and you get a little lost, and you're like, what's going on here because of the cultural context? I'd really encourage you to uh, get a copy of the message. You can read it online as well. But uh, sometimes it helps you to understand what's happening within the context. So Second Kings chapter 3, verse 9 is where we're at. The king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom started out On what proved to be a looping detour. After seven days, they had run out of water for both army and animals. And so you've got Joram, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom setting out towards Moab. And they take this route route around the southern tip of the Dead Sea to attack Moab because they know that this southern tip of Moab is not going to be as well reinforced as as the other area. And so they decided to attack it from the south. And as they're traveling, they'd expected to have the stream providing water for them for the entire time. And, and they, get, they get closer and closer and they realize 
there's no water. And they're out in the middle of a desert during a drought with no water. And the people are going to die. They have no water. This is a really bad situation. Verse 10, the king of Israel said, bad news. (laughs) Bad news, you're all going to die. Bad news. God has gotten us three kings out here to dump us into the hand of Moab. I love that. You know, you go on a mission that God hasn't sent you on into a place that God hasn't told you to go. And what's the first thing you do? Blame God. God has sent us out here to kill us, to deliver us into the hands of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere around through whom we can consult God? One of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is around somewhere. The one who was Elijah's right hand man. Jehoshaphat said, good, a man we can trust. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, went to meet him. So King Joram begins to blame God, as we just said, and they're, they're fighting this war that God is not in. And then we've got this guy, Jehoshaphat, and, and he's a faithful man. He wants to turn to God, but they're already in this mess. They're already in a place they shouldn't be in the first place. And so God is sort of like the last kid picked at a dodgeball tournament. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to die. What should we do? Let's call God. You know, he's a backup plan at best. But he's like, hey, we should go to God. I know there's this prophet Elijah that's well known and well respected. And there's this man, Elisha, who is also with us that we can go and have speak to us. And then this next verse is this is Elijah's or this is um, who I just got lost here. Elijah's first Um, Elisha's first impression, I got Elijah and Elijah mixed up. Elisha's first impression with the king. This is interesting. I love this. He says in verse 13, Elisha addressed the king of Israel. What do you and I have in common? Go consult the puppet prophets of your father and your mother. So this is the first impression, not a great first impression with the king. And he says, what do you and I have in common? He knows that they're on this mission that God hasn't sent them on. And he says, go and consult the puppet prophets, which is just an interesting term. But he's basically saying, you don't want to hear what I have to say. You don't really want to hear from God himself. You just want to hear what you want to hear, which is interesting when we find ourselves surrounded by people who only agree with us. Oftentimes it's because we uh, we're doing the wrong thing, you know. Oftentimes we run off people who will come up against us when we're when we're making bad choices. And this is what's going on. These guys, they're not necessarily wanting to hear God's voice. He's like, hey, just go find somebody who's going to tell you what you want to hear. So then he continues on. He says, never, said the king of Israel, it is God who has gotten us into this fix. Again. Let's blame God. Dumping all three of us kings into the hand of Moab. Elisha said, as God of the angel armies lives and before whom I stand ready to serve, if it weren't for the respect I have for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't give you the time of day. But considering, bring me a minstrel who's a musician. So Stormy, my minstrel, come on up. Give Stormy a hand, would you? So Stormy plays keyboard like every other week. She's just so faithful to serve on this worship team. Um, So she is awesome. She's been gracious enough to come be a part of this. So basically what happens is he says, bring me a musician. For them, it might have been a harpist, you know. 
And what we know is that for Elijah, when he would speak for God, he would oftentimes say, hey, give me some backup music. This is going to be good. Like, get ready. I'm going to speak for the Lord. And so he would set this tone in the room. And I felt like this was a really interesting side note in this in this chapter, because, you know, at the end of end of my, my sermon lately, we've had Stormy will come up and play and we'll kind of have some music in the background. And maybe you're kind of like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to create an emotional moment, you know, and stir us up or whatever. And the answer is sort of a little bit. Uh, that, that's what that's what music does is it opens the heart. You know, it, it prepares a way for us to hear certain things. And it's a powerful, powerful tool. Um, and so so Elisha knows that. So when he's going to speak for God, he's like, hey, give me some give me some backup music. This is going to be really good. And, and that's why at every at the end of every good movie, there's there's that scene, you know, where the underscore comes up and it's just the powerful music. And the, the coach, you know, is talking to the team and, you know, they're down by 10 points. And he's like, all right, you guys, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. You know, these are the moments that define us. Will you roll over and die? Will you give up today? Will you rise up and overcome and take the field? You know, it's, you know, and everybody takes off and it's this, it's this big moment. But then, then you add music. Yeah, there we go. You feeling it? (laughs) So it's the same thing. You guys have worked hard to get here. You are here for a reason. God has brought you to this place in time. In this moment of opposition, will you roll over? Will you give up? Or will you stand up? And will you overcome the odds? Days like today will define you for the rest of your life. Will you work with me? Will you follow God? And will you overcome? Are you with me? Okay, that's good. So, you can stay up, Stormy. So, you just go home now, right? I just, music's powerful. It's powerful, isn't it? So he has the music in the background. Let's bring it back up. So he speaks God's word. He says this. He says in verse 16, Dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water. And your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. You will ravage the country, knock out its fortifications, level the key villages, clear-cut the orchards, clog the springs and litter the cultivated fields with stones. And in the morning, it was at the hour of the morning sacrifice, the water had arrived. Water pouring in from the west from Edom, a flash flood filling the valley with water. All right, give Stormy a hand. Awesome. We can go home now. God provided water. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So Elisha gets into the right frame of mind. He gets gets the music going. He speaks God's word to them. And, and what happens is basically a flash flood. And if you've ever been in, in a desert, I, used to, I lived in Grand Junction, Colorado before I came up to Alaska. And in Grand Junction, there's, there's a lot of desert area. And you would see this occasionally where you'd be out by these cliffs. And you'd see water starting to trickle down the valley, and then you'd see clouds, and then you'd feel rain, which is odd. It's odd to feel, it's odd to see water before 
the clouds. But this happens in the deserts. These storms will come up. The water will actually move quicker than the storm and it'll fill up a valley. And that's what's going on here. He commands them. He says, dig ditches all over this valley in preparation for what God's going to do here. You dig the ditches and God's going to bring the rain. And that's where we're going to spend our time today is just talking about digging ditches. What are the ditches that we need to dig? What are the things that God has been calling you to do? What are the ways that we lack faith? That we don't believe God will provide what he says he will provide. And so in this story, what happens is the allies, they end up conquering Moab. God is faithful and true. And that all of what was prophesied came true. And so here we find ourselves today looking back on this story. And I ask myself, what are the ditches that we need to be digging? What are the things that God is calling us as a church to do and us as individuals to be a part of? But we lack vision. We don't see the clouds. We don't feel the rain. And so why would we dig a ditch? Why would we do the work? And and so I think there's a lot of situations like that in life. I think of a few things. I think of just basic auto maintenance. So tell me. Raise your hand. Just be honest. Who is over the mileage on a little sticker in the corner of your window? Anybody? Come on. Come on. Yes, we've got a few of you. Ah, breaks my heart. I'm a car nut, and so it really hurts me when I see when I get into a car and it's over the mileage because it's we get busy. You know, life takes over and we're like, oh, man, we're like four oil changes behind. We need to take care of that. It's it gets bad. I think of going to the gym. I mean, it takes some vision to go to the gym. And I've realized that you can't just go once a month and see any progress. I've tried this for a long time. It doesn't work. And so you literally have to imagine what will happen. And you have to visualize that this can work and that it does work. And there's lots of people out there with testimonies. Hey, I I worked out and it did help. You know, it does. It does what it's supposed to do. And so it takes some faith, though. Is anybody uh, thinking at about this point, I should probably think about retirement? Or maybe you're thinking at this point, I wish I was younger and uh, then I would think about retirement and it's way too late. You know, I should have thought about it a lot of years ago. Saving up for retirement is one of those things. Disciplining the kids. If you've got kids, that takes vision. Sometimes I just don't want to look, you know, just go downstairs and I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to mess with it. You know, I mean, it's really easy to make babies. It's hard to raise them. You know, I like the making part. I don't like the raising part. It's it's a lot of work. And so I'm just saying I'm I'm just saying it's hard to be a parent and it's difficult to, to do the work that it takes to look ahead and take care of your kids and plan for the future. I, I just think some people um, some people don't don't have the vision. They don't know where to start. I think sometimes we wander around going, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start with this. It's kind of like that guy that wanders around the gym going from, you know, thing to thing. He's not really sure what to do. He puts a little weight on and he does a couple reps and he puts a little weight on over here and does a couple reps. I know how to do two things, bench press and curl at the gym. That's all I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else. Leg day is non-existent in my mind. There is no leg day because I don't know what to do with that machine. And so I just wander around not knowing where to begin. And I think that's a lot of us. We go, man, there's so many things that I can be doing. There's so many ditches that could be dug that I don't know where to start. You know, I think I think some people just don't want to be told what to do. I think uh, if you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, it's the last thing I really want to do. 
And I think we read a lot of things in scripture. It's like, this is the better way. This is what we need to be doing. And we go, well, since you said that, that's exactly what I'm not going to do. Um, because we're, we're rebellious. I'm rebellious. I have that in my heart. I just, if you tell me what to do, I do the opposite. And so God tells us to dig ditches. It's, it's hard. This is profound for us to do work before we see what the outcome is going to be, before we see what the blessing could be. So are you digging? It's kind of the first point. No one else can dig your ditch. No one else can dig it for you. That's why it's called your ditch. It's your ditch to dig. No one can dig it for you. There's this passage in Galatians 6. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we, we know this as Christians. We should help each other. We should bear each other's burdens. But it continues on. It says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then he... And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So we've got two things going on in this Galatians passage. We've got burdens and we've got loads. And see, we all have loads to bear. I have a load. So I have children. I chose to have children. Now I have to raise those children. It's the load that I bear. I have a house, which means that I have to pay a mortgage. That's my load to bear. You don't have to pay my mortgage. You can if you want to, but you don't have to pay my mortgage. It's my mortgage. I got the house. It's, it's my load to bear. You know, I have a marriage. I got married. And so since I'm married, that means that I need to invest in my marriage, into that relationship. It's my load to bear. But then there are times in life that loads turn into burdens, right? You know somebody in your life that's got burdens, that it's just too heavy for them to carry. Um, We had a family up here at Christmas Eve who had a little boy who was getting a heart transplant. Man, can you, can you imagine how that would feel? Just the weight of that, all of, all of the, the energy that was poured into that, just taking care of him and the financial stuff. And so we as a church said, that's not just a load, that is a burden. And we want to help you carry that. And so we raised some money and tried to help take care of them a little bit and just said, we're going to pray for you as a church. And, and so, I mean, there are people like this in our lives. You can kind of equate it to the difference between a backpack and a boulder, you know. We all have a backpack to wear. We all have weight that we should carry. And it's good weight. You should have some weight. There should be a little weight in your backpack. It's okay for it to feel like, okay, I got a little something that I'm carrying here, you know. It's, it's good. That's life. We grow from that. But then there's this moment where you're crushed underneath it. And those are the things that we come alongside you as the church. It's our call to come with you and help, help lift up those, those burdens with you. And so what's being said here is, is no one else can dig your ditch. No one else is supposed to dig your ditch. If there's a burden, we're here, that, we're here to help you. But, but don't ask for anyone else to dig it. It's your ditch to be dug. And I, I was thinking, what are the things that stop us from digging? I think discouragement. Have you ever started doing the right thing or doing the work and been really discouraged? I mean, if you're going to dig a hole, anybody dug a hole lately? Just picked up a shovel and dug a hole? It's not fun. I don't like to dig holes at all. Uh, but the, the, the worst part about digging a hole is the first shovel full. Because you're just staring at bare ground going, where do I begin? What do I do? And it's discouraging. It's, it's hard. It's hard to dig, you know. 
We think, I'm never going to get there. So why even start? Why even walk down that road? It's discouraging. But my question for you is, if you knew that you could share the gospel with one person and they would follow Jesus today, would you do it? If you knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, would you do it? Yeah, probably. If you knew you could invite one person to church and they would say, absolutely, when are we going? Would you do it? Would you, would you invite them to church? If you knew that you could heal your marriage by going to one conference or heal your marriage by having one conversation with your wife or with your husband, would you have that conversation? Yeah, you probably would. If you knew that your, your children would grow up to be people of integrity and honor by spending one day with one of your children, would you spend that one day with them? Absolutely. If you knew that just by giving one dollar to a ministry that somebody would be healed from an addiction, would you give a dollar? Yeah, I, I, th- I think we would. I think we lack motivation, we lack vision, and so we get discouraged, you know? It's, it's, not that, it's not that there's not a call, it's not that God can't do those things, because He does those things through everything that you do. Every, every shovel that you dig, God is working through that, but we lack the vision, you know? I think we lack the desire, sometimes, to do the work. We don't, we don't really want to get in there and get dirty. Um, I just want to have success, personally. I don't really want to go through the work to, to create the success. Uh, I had this dream when I was in high school that when I got out of high school, I was going to have the same size house as my parents. I was going to have the cars that my parents had. I was going to have all the tools that my dad had in the garage because he had a bunch of cool tools, you know. I was going to have everything that they had as soon as I got out of high school because that's just that's all I'd ever known was what they had worked their entire lives to acquire. I think that's, man, that makes a lot of sense to me, even still today. There's a lot of things, man, I want, I want the results. I don't really want to do the work to get those results. I think we can be complacent. There's some of us in the room that we just would rather go do something else. It doesn't really matter to us. It's not really on our radar. When it comes to God's guidance in your life, you're like, ah, Man, I don't know if it really matters that much, you know? Can I really make that much of a difference by doing just this little part? God, I don't really see the rain. So what's what's the point? Any Guitar Hero fans? Does anybody play Guitar Hero? So Guitar Hero, I remember when Guitar Hero came out, I was like, this is a bad thing for music. This is going to be bad because I'm a musician. I've played guitar since I was 13 years old. And I remember the work that it took to play guitar. I mean, the bloody fingers and the hours of just wanting to quit. And I knew that as soon as this game came out, every little kid that's at the store looking at the Guitar Hero pack or the actual guitar is going to pick Guitar Hero, right? I mean, why would I play an actual guitar when I can get on my, you know, my, my video game and I can play a guitar and I can fake it? I can actually act like I play guitar. And I know people that are convinced that they can play the guitar because they play Guitar Hero. You cannot. I swear to you, you it does not teach you how to be a guitar player. You are no better than anyone who has never picked up a guitar. It does not make you a musician. I'm passionate about this. It's a big deal. It does not make you a guitar 
player. If you want to share in the blessing, you have to share in the labor. If you want the blessing of God, if you want to see God move in your life, you have to share in the labor. Elisha says, dig ditches all over this valley. You can't honestly look at the ditches and say, look what we did if you weren't a part of it. You can't honestly enjoy what happens when God moves through our church or through your family if you weren't part of the work. You want to get in on that. We as a church, we know, as an organization, as a church, we won't make, a, we won't make any dent in this culture unless you all are digging. Everyone needs to dig ditches. And I believe that's God's vision for ACF Church today is that we would dig ditches all over this state and into this world. That we would dig ditches all over this city. Each one of you digging your own ditches. And we present the gospel here every Sunday. And God is working through what happens here. And I think it's going to change church. I think if you come here... You know, just all sweaty from doing the work of God all week long. It changes how you worship. It changes how you gather. It focuses your mind on the things that matter when you're doing what God calls you to do. We need to be digging our own ditches throughout the valley. And that's, and that's when outreach events turn into revival. You know? We're going to do some things. We've got uh, a pretty awesome uh, outreach plan for Easter weekend. We're really excited to just reach out into our city. But you know what? It's not going to matter if you're not in relationship with people, if you're not digging ditches already. It's just going to be another, we're just another nonprofit trying to do nice things for the city. You know, we want to do nice things for the city, but we're doing it for the kingdom of God. And that comes through all of us digging our ditches. And so here's some things to all the diggers, any diggers in the room. If you're going to dig, here's some things for you. You can start small, but start somewhere. Again, it's that first shovel. It's that first step of faith. You can start small, but start somewhere. I sometimes wish I could have gotten Apple stock from back in like the early 80s. Can you imagine? You think I would be set for life if I could have had the vision to see what would happen with this Apple corporation, I mean, to see what it would become, I would be taken care of. I wouldn't have to work a day. Think of all the money I would have to be able to use for so many different things. I would love that if I could have gotten in on the ground level, but that takes vision. And there are people that did that and they are riach today. <laughs> they are covered. They, they, they just giving money away. I mean, it's just, it'd be, it'd be awesome. I don't know if it'd be good for me. It probably would ruin me. I don't know. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, man, I like to have a lot of extra money. That'd be nice. But then I think, do I have that vision to see things before they arrive? If you look at every major miracle in the Bible, they all took steps of faith. They all took steps of faith. They had to start Somewhere. I mean, just think of Noah building the ark. We all know the story of Noah and the ark, you know, and the little animals and, you know. And so he builds this boat before the rain. Can you imagine how hard that was? Just the first board to be pounding the first nail. This huge ship that he would have to build. You have to start somewhere. I think of Moses tapping this rock with a staff, thinking that water is going to come out. I mean... That's a step of faith. 
You're going to look crazy if it doesn't come out. You look brilliant if it does, you know, and sure enough, water comes out of the rock. And I think of Peter and Andrew leaving their nets, giving up their jobs, giving up everything that was secure for them and taking that first step out of the boat to go follow Jesus. How hard was that? I think about Jesus. He's walking through the city and there's this blind man. And the disciples, they see him and they're like, hey, Jesus, why is this guy blind? And, you know, was it his sin or his parents sin or what was it that caused this? And Jesus like neither. He's blind so that that God might be glorified in his weakness. And so he comes over to this blind man, blind his whole life. And he gets down on the ground. He starts spitting in the dirt. He's rubbing, you know, around in the dirt. I just imagine this blind guy standing in front of Jesus, maybe with a buddy of his. And, you know, the buddy's right there. and He's like, hey. What's he doing? He's spitting in the dirt. (laughs) He's like, okay, then what? He's going to make some mud. Okay. Then what's he going to do? He's going to rub it on your face. (laughs) Is that going to work? I don't know. Can you imagine, like, just standing there, like, what is, what is this guy doing? How ridiculous is that? He's spitting in the mud. He's making, ah, oh, it's just nasty. It's a nasty thought. And then he rubs it on his eyes and then the man is ecstatic. He can see. How crazy is that? It takes a step of faith. Little ditches catch little water. Little ditches catch little water. I gotta be careful. First service, I'm like, how do, I, how do I keep saying ditches and not get in trouble here? Ditch. Little ditches catch little water. Dig a dig a deep ditch. I think we as a church we want to take big steps of faith. We want to look around our city and look around our lives and take big steps of faith. The tendency will be to to walk out of here and go, okay, here are the ditches I need to dig. Here are the the, the ways I need to step out in faith. And the tendency will be to get one shovel. And to stick it in the ground and to toss, you know, that little bit of dirt into the wheelbarrow and then to stand there and wait for the rain, you know, like, okay, God, I did my part. This is all you now. It's not what God calls us to do. He just says, go be obedient and just dig. The blessing is in the digging. The blessing is in the digging. So dig deep ditches, take big steps of faith, you know, I mean, go all in. And that's where the the major blessings come from. Deep faith and deep ditches. Don't look at your neighbor's ditch. Look at yours, you know, and be like, well, his is only three inches deep, so I can stop there. No, dig, dig with all your might and just watch God, watch God move. You guys, faith in scripture, it always comes down to obedience. It always comes down to action. Faith isn't some kind of psychological game, you know. Like if I asked you, do you have faith in Jesus? What I'm not asking you is how much have you convinced yourself that you believe in Jesus? That's not what I'm asking you. When I say, do you have faith in Jesus? What are you going to say? Yes, I do. Why? Because I believe. Why? It comes down to action. It comes down to obedience. Faith is always a covenant. It always walks out in our actions and our choices. You know, it takes faith to do these things, to be used by God in powerful, powerful ways. And that means stepping out and doing the work. 
And I think for some of you who struggle with faith, you're like, man, my faith is small. I would encourage you, start acting out in your faith. I think your faith will grow. If you say, ah, Brian, I just struggle to believe, I struggle to have faith, I would ask you, how are you stepping out in faith? How are you walking into that trusting covenant relationship that God will fulfill His end of it, that He will bring the rain, and it's just your job to dig? That's what makes you faithful. It's probably going to be messy, and it's probably going to be painful. It's probably going to be messy and painful. That is digging. You're going to get blisters on your hands. You're going to get discouraged. It's going to hurt. You're going to wake up in the morning. Your back's going to be sore. I mean, that is... That is digging ditches. And that's the work of God. It's going to be messy. It's going to be painful. You're going to get discouraged. It's going to be hard. I think about these people. What, what, is, what is the least, you know, what, what is the most counterintuitive thing that you can do if you're dehydrated? <laughs> probably dig a ditch. It's maybe the worst thing you should do. You should probably try to, you know, huddle around, figure out a way to find shade or, you know, relax so you're not burning out extra, extra water and, and so these, these people, they get together and they trust that God has prophesied through Elisha and say, okay, the rain's coming, we're going to dig. How, how ridiculous was that? Can you imagine? How hard would that have been? And so what we do is we look for, we look for loopholes so that it's not as painful. We look for ways to get around stepping out in faith, you know? Can you imagine if, you know, if, if, if God calls you to, to step out on faith, you just you try to find another way. Like if God said, dig a ditch, you'd say, I'm going to go rent a backhoe. You know, I'm going to find an easier way to dig this ditch. I'm going to get some buddies to help dig my ditch. You know, I mean, we all look for loopholes. We all look for ways to meet God halfway instead of just completely jumping in. I think we can expect opposition. This is the part we know not everyone's going to get it. And we're okay with that. If, if people don't occasionally look at you like a dog that hears a high-pitched sound, you're probably not acting in faith. You know, like, if people don't kind of look at you and go, what are they doing? That's ridiculous. I mean, even, even being here today, you guys, you've stepped out in faith. You've given up an hour and a half of your Sunday morning. To most of the world, that makes no sense. You get two days off on the weekend, you better use every second. Because Monday's a coming, you know? This doesn't make sense. Even just being here, you guys, it, you've stepped out in faith and said, listen, I, my step of faith is that being here with the body of Christ is going to be better for my soul than laying in bed this morning. I think you made a good choice. I'm glad that you're here. It takes a step of faith. But you can expect opposition. You can expect on Sunday morning things are going to go wrong. That's going to be the morning that your kids freak out at each other, you know, that the pipe bursts in the basement, the car won't start, you know, the snow starts coming down, and you're like, I don't know, there's a half an inch of snow out there. Should we get out? I don't know, it's kind of scary. I mean, there will be all kinds of opposition. I remember in youth ministry I had this kid, uh, this this guy, he was... uh, 15 years old, he was the first Christian in his household. Followed Jesus, came to youth ministry, came to church. And I remember watching him struggle. And we'd meet and he'd say, man, I just, I'm struggling because my parents, they don't support me. They don't believe that I can change. You know, this kid had a pretty messed up life. 
He had a lot of problems and made a lot of bad choices. And so here he was trying with all of his might to follow Jesus. And everybody that's closest to him is criticizing him and telling him, you can't do it. We don't believe you can do it. We think you're wasting your time. Why are you going to church? Why are you doing that? And some of you have experienced this. If you're a first generation Christian in your family, this is hard. You will be ridiculed. People will question your decisions. They'll look at you and go, what are you doing with your time? Why does that matter to you? You've got, you've got things all flipped upside down because the, the kingdom, in the kingdom, everything's flipped upside down. And so the world should look at you and go, that's ridiculous. What are these Christians doing? They're digging ditches all over a dry valley. That sounds crazy. That should be our lives. That should be every day for us. There's going to be doubt. I just, I think from within yourself, there's going to be doubt. I think the second that you walk out in faith, the lies begin. That the enemy will do everything within his power to define you by your inadequacies, by your mistakes, and say you're not worthy. You can't be used by God. Your effort is pointless. This isn't going to make any difference. You're wasting your time. These are all the things that I hear. I struggle with this every week, you guys. Every Sunday morning, I get up and pray upstairs before coming down here to talk to you guys. Um, So I've been doing this for, man, it's almost like five months now, six months, leading at this church. And every week, it's a battle. Every week, I'm like, God, do I have anything to say? Why would I get up there? Do I have anything that's worth saying? And man, every week, God's like, I will speak. And I will glorify myself through your inadequacy. And that's how I know it's good, because I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped enough. I'm not talented enough. And yet God's going to work. And I trust and that's enough, you know. I trust that God will do that. And so I hope that you can do that too. Expect the opposition. Expect the lies, but dig your ditch. The water is coming. It's the last one. Believe that. The water is coming. If God promises water, there will be water. You dig the ditch and God brings the rain. You're not responsible for the rain. Don't worry about the rain. Don't keep staring at the sky. Don't shake your fist at God and say, where is my rain? Just dig your ditch. Do the work of God. Invest in your family. Invest in your your, your relationships. Make the hard decisions, the tough calls in your life. The greatest leaders of our day, I think that they have this way of seeing things that aren't there. Have you ever known anybody like that that just has has a vision? They can see things before they ever come to fruition. They have this ability to see something before it appears. And this is what I'm calling you guys to do. And this is the counterintuitive nature of the kingdom is that we, we end up doing things that don't make sense in our minds. And don't make sense to the people around us. Believing that God has promised that the rain is coming. That there is blessing and peace and joy in the things of God. So as a person or as a family, what's your ditch? What has God specifically laid out before you as an opportunity to make a way for him? How has he gifted you? What are the people in your influence? 
that you need to reach out to. Here's some some ditches for this week. Here's just some things that came to mind. Um, Every Monday on Facebook, on our our ACF Facebook page, we're sending out something called Missional Mondays. And, And this is just a real simple way of giving some ideas. These are just small things. These are just little shovelfuls. But it's like uh, last week was just cleaning off somebody's, uh, somebody's headlights on their car. You know, get, be at the gas station, go over with a rag, have a conversation, clean off somebody's headlights. I mean, that's all it takes to open a conversation that could lead to somebody's life being changed. You know, maybe today it's just go to Fred Meyer, buy an extra bag of ice melt and just go dump that whole thing on your neighbor's driveway because it's going to be a mess today. Maybe it's just that. And you may think that, Brian, that's, uh, is that really going to make any difference? Digging ditches. Just digging ditches. You don't bring the rain. You just dig the ditch. Work on your marriage when things are going well. We get the phone calls of like, Brian, Pastor Josh, ACF staff, my family is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. And we're going to do our best to help you, to get you to the right place, to help repair what's broken. If we can walk you through the processes, but work on your marriage when it's going well. Nobody wants to do the maintenance when it's going well. Make some space for scripture in your life. I know this is like the church standby. Just read the Bible, you know. I get that. But you guys, I've made the commitment just three days a week. You're like, you're a pastor. You should read it all day long. I don't. Um, Three days a week to start my day off by being in the word. And uh, I've got some other guys that are doing it with me. And it has been so fruitful. And we're walking through this, this daily devotional. I kid you not, it takes five minutes to do what we're, what we're doing. And it changes my entire day. It has been so powerful for us. Maybe you need to say one encouraging thing to somebody who drives you crazy. That's how you dig ditches. You want to prepare the way for forgiveness, for reconciliation? Say one nice thing to that person. Just encourage them without a but. Just say one nice thing to them, you know, talk about your addictions. Maybe you've got some kind of addictions in your life and you've not told anyone. Maybe you need to find somebody here today and you just need to confess it and get it out in the open and just be honest and prepare the way for God to move in your life. How about church here? You guys, we don't do the meet and greet just to drive you crazy, you know, just to make introverts really uncomfortable. We do the meet and greet because we believe that this is a place for connection. And I know it's so easy to get done with service and just to jet out or, you know, jet out during worship and grab the kids and get out of here because you got stuff to do. I get it. Again, we're all spread thin. But you're here today because I believe God wants to do something in you and through you. And so there's somebody here that you need to say hi to. There's somebody here who's maybe here for the first time going, will any of these people care for me? Will any of these people notice that I'm here? Say hi to one, have one real conversation and then maybe go to lunch. You're digging ditches. You're making a way for relationships. And it's awesome. And when I'm telling you guys, when the church itself, when all of you as individuals are firing all cylinders, we're digging ditches all over this place, man, this becomes a movement. God starts doing amazing, amazing things. I don't care how hard I preach. I don't care how long I preach. It doesn't matter if you guys aren't doing it. If we're not collectively digging ditches in our city. Come back next week. It's your next ditch to dig.
The statistic is Christians show up to church once or twice a month. Again, this is a step of faith for you to say this is better than bed or sports center or whatever, whatever, you know, your Sunday morning thing, whatever the, the, the thing is in your mind that you're like, I could be doing this. I could be, you know, shoveling my driveway. I don't know what it is that this is. This is better to be with the family of God to set your week apart this way. So this question at, at this point in the sermon, I just wonder if if the question is, why, Brian, why would I do any of this? What's the point? And I want you to know that that this message is not a rebellion against rest, against relaxation. It's okay to relax. It's okay to enjoy time away. We all do it. It's not a rebellion against that. It's a response to the grace of Jesus. That's all that I'm asking you to do is to respond to Christ's grace. We dig because we're loved and we were loved because of Jesus. And no amount of digging could ever repay that. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to pay God back by, by working for him. We're just trying to respond to his goodness. It's what people who are loved do. And so if you're, if you're here today and and maybe you don't know Jesus and you're like, Brian, this sounds like work. Why would I want to follow Jesus? It sounds like sacrifice. You talked about blisters. Um, I don't, I don't think I want in on that. I want to tell you that this is the only sacrifice you'll ever make that will last. And I want to call you out to, to make a point, to make the effort, and to make a covenant relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today, I want you to know you're here because somebody's been digging for you. If you just drove by this building and you're here at this church and you don't know maybe why you're here, somebody built this building with you in mind. If you're here because a friend loved you enough to invite you to church, thank that friend because they're trying to give you the best gift that you could possibly gift, get. Somebody's been digging for you. And so today, if you, if you want to receive the grace of Jesus, if you get the sense that this is what it's all about, I want to pray with you that you could walk into this covenant relationship with him. It'll be the best decision you ever make, and you'll never be the same. So let's pray together. Jesus, we need your grace. We are grateful for all that you do. God, I ask that you would come into my heart, that you would change me from the inside out. Father, I have tried it on my own. I have worked hard and nothing seems to fulfill me. God, I need your grace. I have my issues. I have my problems and I have my doubts. But I just trust that you are bigger than those things and you will walk me through those things. So I commit myself to you today. And God, I want to pray for the, for the Christ followers in the room today that all have those, those things in their minds, those ditches that need to be dug. God, that you would, you would show them what the next step is. God, that you would give them motivation to deal with the difficulties of following you, of discipleship. God, that you would protect all of us from the lies of the enemy. God, as we question ourselves, as we question you, as we wonder if we're good enough or able to do any of this, God, I pray that we wouldn't trust in our own abilities, but in what you have already accomplished on the cross. That our identities would be firmly founded in Jesus. And from there, God, we would be able to serve you and love you and dig ditches for you. 
So empower us as a, as a community, as a church. God, I pray that this city would be covered in ditches. And God, that your kingdom would come here in Eagle River and throughout the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.